Did you know that you can take a cruise to nowhere? It's actually a real thing. Rather than a tropical island destination, you can get in a, one of the cruise ships that just goes out in the ocean and goes around in circles. You can in, still enjoy a sumptuous meals, lounge by the pool and enjoy the sunshine, watch a Broadway show. It, it's basically a floating hotel. You know that you can take a cruise to nowhere in life. You just kind of wander around in circles. You know what? It's very important to know where you're going. How will you know that you've arrived if you don't have a destination? I think there are Christians who are aimless. They don't really know their purpose in life. They don't know their spiritual gifts. They're not really pursuing hard after Christ. And as a result, they're going nowhere. The Magi, or wise men, were different. They saw a star, and that became their destination and goal. And they pursued hard until completion. I think this story that we're going to read today can really help us. That there are principles that we can glean that, that will guide us and lead us into 2024. I believe it can take us from where we are right now, especially spiritually, and catapult us into new realms in Christ next year. So let's read our text. Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophets, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent to them, or sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So what do we have here? We have wise men from the east saw a star and brought gifts. That's basically it. That's all we know. I've been really fascinated with them ever since I was a boy. I wanted to be them in church plays. They wore really shiny, cool robes and had jewels. 
and rode camels, while shepherds wore a towel around their head. I was always a shepherd. They were either Persians from modern-day Iran or Chaldeans from modern-day Iraq. They weren't kings, like the Christmas carol says. And we traditionally think there were three of them because they brought three gifts. In fact, tradition has even given them names. Casper, Melchior, and Balthazar. I think there were really four. The fourth guy was bringing fruitcake, and the other three said, you can't come with us. I picture in my mind that they traveled in a large caravan. So it was a big group. Significant enough, when they came into Jerusalem, it caused a stir in the whole city of Jerusalem. Now, tradition always shows that the wise men come to baby Jesus in a manger, in a stable, and the shepherds are standing nearby. But did you notice, as I read verse 11, did you catch that? Going into the house. It says that they saw the child, not the baby. It's two different Greek words. Luke has a baby, Greek word for baby, in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Matthew has a child, toddler age, in a house. So I'm going to ask Pastor Charles to do something for me. We've got the wise men at the creche over there. We're just going to move them away from that scene because they really weren't there. We're, we're going to put them on the altar, I think. So, you see, they're, they're on the way. They're traveling. They're eventually going to get there. Thank you, Pastor Charles. Now, I think what happened was Mary and Joseph stayed on in Bethlehem, probably for the next couple years. Jesus was somewhere around two, maybe a little younger, when the wise men came. We, we have a good idea of that because Herod's decree, remember in the next passage, if we kept reading, was to kill all male children two years old and younger, not newborns, not babies or infants. And the gifts that they brought, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, probably is what financed the Holy Family's trip to Egypt and sustained them there. The Magi were both astronomers and astrologers. Now, there's a sharp distinction between them today. One's a scientist and the other dabbles in horoscopes, which is no science at all. Astronomers study the movements of the stars, while astrologers determine what those movements mean. So they could easily discern that God had put this star in the sky. It was a message for them and whoever else discerned it that his king had been born. And so they wanted to come and pay homage to him. They, they were pagans, okay? There's no other way to sugarcoat this. That's who they were. They were scientists, all right, but they were also friends of Shirley MacLaine. As the angel who appeared to the shepherds said at Jesus' coming that he was going to be born, Jesus came into the world as a savior for all people, Jews and Gentiles, religious people, not so religious people. God wants to save everyone, and he will do whatever it takes to save everyone. He'll give them that opportunity. I read an interesting article this week about some miraculous things that are happening in Gaza. That at least 200 people have come to Christ and told those Christian missionaries that are still in Gaza right now 
working at great risk to them, their lives. That they have seen either had a dream of Jesus appeared in a dream to them or a vision of Jesus. And they've come to faith in Christ. And that's happened all over the, the Middle East. God will do whatever it takes to save people. So here are some of my thoughts on who these people really are. I think they came from a place where Jews were there. Babylon, modern-day Iraq, I would say is the most likely place because remember the Jews in 586 were taken captive by the Babylonian Empire and transported to Babylon. So there were Jews living there. Some of them left, like Ezra and Nehemiah, after Cyrus's decree that they could leave if they wanted to. So they, they left, some of them back, went back to Jerusalem, back to Israel, to rebuild the city, rebuild the walls. But some stayed on. We know Daniel was there, right? Daniel and his three friends were in the court of Magi. They were a part of that group. So the Jews would have shared their sacred writings with the Babylonian people there, such as Numbers 14 or 24, 17, which says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. That prophecy was announcing that a future king of Israel would come, and a star would announce his coming. They would have been very familiar with all of Daniel's prophecies. Just read the book of Daniel. Read chapter 9 again. It's a fascinating chapter where Daniel prophesies exactly when the Messiah is going to come, right in the time frame in which he did. So they deduced that a star in the sky would announce the coming of a Jewish king who would be the king of the world. So I wonder in my mind if they had some Jewish descent, if they were of Jewish descent, possibly mixed marriages, maybe, or at least they were familiar with the Jewish prophetic writings, and maybe they were from the famous Eastern School of Magi. Now, what can we learn from them to apply to our own lives? Let's look at a few things. First is, know what you're looking for. Know what you're looking for. They, they wanted to worship the king. And God revealed him to them in a way they could understand through stars. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And so that's one way God communicates with us, through nature. Romans 1.20 says that they're without excuse, those who say there is no God, because all you have to do is just walk outside and look at the heavens, and you know there is a God. He created all this. Genesis 1.14 says, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days, and for years. So one of those things that seems different than the other words there is for signs. The stars, the heavenly bodies, the celestial bodies, are also signs that God can put in the heavens in certain formations to speak a message. We, we know the prophecies of the end times before Jesus comes. talks about there will be spectacular signs in the heavens that will be a sign to those who are waiting for his appearing that he's near to the shepherds God sent angels because they weren't stargazers they would probably not have been even thinking what a certain star in the sky or constellation even was 
Others need the written word. Some need the preached word. In fact, polls have been taken on how people come to Christ. What, what ways do they come? And, and the answer is many ways. Some people preaching at a church, an altar call is given, they come forward and get saved. Others, maybe they're listening to the radio, watching a TV preacher, a uh, YouTube video. Others, they read something in the Bible that jumps out to them and they give their life to Christ or a Bible tract they find and read it or books that they're more readers and that's how they come to faith. Some, a crisis occurs in their life. They're at the end of their rope. They cry out to God and He saves them. But you know what? The most common way people come to saving faith is through the witness, the testimony of a family member, most likely a parent or a friend. It's something like 79% people come to saving faith in Christ through family or friends. So while there are many ways that God reaches out to us so that we might be saved through the communication of you and I is the most common way. So kind of our motto for 2024 is each one reach one. That we're we're thinking about the opportunities that God may give us to engage with someone in conversation and invite them into a saving relationship with Christ. The Bible says the ultimate way that God speaks to us is through Jesus, His Son. Listen to Hebrews 1, 1-3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This verse is talking about the incarnation of Christ, how God put on skin and moved into the neighborhood to show us what God is like. Jesus always existed as God, but was born as a man in a Major in Bethlehem. God came in the flesh because people are afraid of God, but they're not afraid of a baby. Although I will admit I'm a little afraid of babies. When when they're crying uncontrollably and you do not know what to do to calm them down, I'm a little scared at that moment. So that was the goal of the wise men. They knew what they wanted. They wanted to know God. They wanted to worship His King. So what's your goal? Many of you probably have made some excellent goals for 2024, but none are more important than knowing Jesus better. Listen to Paul's goal in Philippians 3. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow, what what a mission statement for 2024 that would be. That would be each of our aim in 2024. Really, to know Christ. Second principle from this passage. Pay the price in pursuit. Pay the price in pursuit. We really don't think about how far they traveled from where they were to get to baby Jesus 
and worship him. If they came from Baghdad, Iraq, that would be 546 miles. If they came from Tehran, Iran, that would be 986 miles. On camels, over mountains, across deserts and rivers, in heat, in cold, they battled the elements, insects, wild animals, bandits, hostile tribes. It would have taken them months to get there through many, many inconveniences, and yet there are Christians that can't hardly get out of bed and come to church on Sunday morning. True seekers are willing to pay the price. Spectators like to watch from the sidelines. So whatever your dream or goal is this morning, especially the spiritual ones, it's going to require some sacrifice. I like this quote from Booker T. Washington. Success is not only your destination, but the obstacles you overcome to get there. You'll grow stronger in your faith as you're stretched, as you're pushing toward that goal of knowing Christ better. Well, finally, they arrived in Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. And that was the logical place for them to come. My personal opinion is I don't think they followed the star the entire way there, or they would have went straight to Bethlehem. I think it appeared in the sky, and they knew the king of the Jews had been born, and so they made their way to the logical place where a king would live and be born was Jerusalem. So it must have been confusing to them when they started speaking to Herod, and he didn't know anything about his birth. The religious elite then were summoned, and they gave the answer to where he was born. Matthew 5.2, which Matthew quotes, Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. This prophecy of Micah was spoken 750 years before Jesus was born. Right in Bethlehem. Third principle. If you get sidetracked, get back on track. So we determined that the wise men arrived in Jerusalem and, and spoke to Herod. So what did they do? They asked politicians and scholars for directions. And that's the bad move. That's why we men today never want to ask for directions when we're driving anywhere. It's all because of the wise men. It's their fault. I wonder, where are the wise women when you need them? So politics and religion rarely lead you or help you accomplish your goals. The chief priests and scribes had no seeming interest or curiosity to travel the five or six miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to check it out. All they wanted to do was sit there and study and pontificate about him. They knew to worship him would take the focus off of them, and they certainly didn't want that. And as Jesus grew and became more popular than them, they knew what they had to do. They had to kill him. Herod was a more base creature. Half Jewish, he had one of his wives killed and three of his sons, who he feared, wanted his throne. He concocted a horrible plan just before he was going to die. He had some soldiers cued in on, the moment I die, 
see some of the leading citizens of Jerusalem and kill them because I want someone to be sad on the day of my death. The next story tells us he was responsible for the slaughter of the innocent children of Bethlehem. He had a summer castle on a mountain which overlooked Bethlehem and it would cast its shadow over Bethlehem, right where Jesus was born. I find that ironic. So while Herod sounds sincere, yeah, bring back word so I can go to worship him. He's a liar. He doesn't want to worship. He wants to kill him. And then in verse 9, it says, As soon as they left Herod, the star reappeared. And then it rose over the place where the child was. Stars do retrograde, so they do appear to move backward, yes. But this, to me, I'm thinking this is something else, supernatural. Maybe another Shekinah glory of God appeared and then led them and was over the house. That's, that's what I think it was. They had gotten off track. In thinking Herod could help them, they lost sight of the light. They got away from Herod, the light returned. That's kind of like sin. Sin gets us off track. We grow distant from God because sin separates you from God. But if we repent and confess that sin and turn from it and receive forgiveness, then the light returns. It tells us in 1 John 1, 5-7. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What if I was driving somewhere pretty far away and I'm driving during the daytime and I can't quite get to my destination while it's light because it's become dark. And so I pull off the side of the road and decide to spend the night there by the side of the road until morning and then I'll finish my journey. Wouldn't that be dumb? Couldn't I just turn on my headlights? Right? That's all I have to do. And my headlights won't light up the whole sky like the sun will, but it will give me enough light so I can drive on down the road until I reach my destination. It gives me enough light to keep moving. So, do you want to know God better in 2024? Walk in the light. Are you walking in darkness right now? Are you in a relationship with somebody who's pulling you away from Christ? Pulling you into darkness? You, you feel unfulfilled this morning. Then I say plug into Jesus, who is God's light source. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. He'll guide your steps. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, The greatest thing in the world is not so much where we stand now, but in what direction we're moving. You know, there are some people that are moving away from Christ, even though maybe they're pretty close. And some people are really far from Him, but they're moving toward Him. Which direction are you moving toward? Fourth principle. Once you reach your goal, make the most of it. Once you reach your goal, make the most of it. It says, when they saw the star again, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That phrase means they jumped up and down with happiness and joy. They were that elated. They were ecstatic. It was emotional. And then when they saw the child walking into the house, it says 
that they fell down and worshipped him. Isn't that amazing? It's a two-year-old. What spiritual insight they must have had to see this child, this two-year-old toddler, and say, that's the king of the world. I'm going to worship him. Notice first they gave themselves to Jesus as worshipers. Then they gave their gifts. God wants your heart first. Then the best you have. Kind of like the little drummer boy. They gave him gold, which is a gift fit for a king, which signifies deity and purpose and purity. So we give our best to God. Our finances, we give those to him. God, they're yours. Frankincense is a sweet-smelling perfume that was used in temple sacrifice. So we give him a sacrifice as priests of God. Myrrh was a spice used for him embalming the dead which signifies Jesus came to die. And like Jesus, we die to self. We die to sin daily. Dag Hammersgold said, For him who looks to the future, the manger is situated on Golgotha. And the cross has already been raised in Bethlehem. Then verse 12, our last verse. They departed to their own country by another way. So they didn't go back to Jerusalem and Herod. They went another way. Certainly that's a geographical statement, but I think it's also a spiritual one. They came one way and went home another way. They they came to Jesus in, in their lost, fallen, sinful state, and they left changed. They left another way, different people than they were true relationship with Jesus Christ always brings change. Has he changed you? Are you a changed person from knowing him? Is there any fruit in your life? Is there any evidence? When we lived in Canton, our our neighbors, a couple of houses down, always put the same Christmas decoration up. It was a simple sign that said, wise men still seek him. I think that's true. Wise men and women today still seek Him. So, is that true of you? Are you still seeking Him? So, I want to encourage you today toward your spiritual goals for 2024. To know God better. That's your passion. That's your heart. And then you would give Him the best of your time, treasure, and talents. Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek Me and find Me when you seek me with all your heart. Let's pray. Oh Lord, like the wise men, may we be wise men and women today and seek you with all our hearts. And if we do, we have the assurance from your word that we'll find you. And when we find you, we'll worship you and we'll give our gifts to you. Lord, I pray that would be true of each of us. And Lord, if perchance someone is here this morning that doesn't have that personal relationship with you, it's very simple. Trust on Jesus' death on the cross to take away your sin. Lord, while someone is maybe praying that right now, I would agree with them in prayer as they confess their sin, that I've sinned against you, gone my own way, done my own thing. But Lord, I repent, I turn to you. I trust you for my salvation. I want to be in heaven with you someday. 
come and give me the free gift of eternal life. And Lord, you will. You're so good and faithful. Thank you, Lord, for your work in this past year. And we look forward to and anticipate the great things that you're going to do in every heart in this coming year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's